This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Lord, we're looking forward to this day being a great day. We're looking forward to continuing to meet with you on this journey together this morning. And Lord, we're looking forward to what this year might bring. For some of us, last year was a great year. For some of us, last year was a rough year. But but this year is a new year with new beginnings and new starts. And we're asking, God, that you would speak to us in such a way that you would guide us and lead us in such a way that this year would be one of the best years that we've ever experienced as we partner with you on this journey. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. And if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I just want to welcome you to New Life. My name is Kevin. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I have the privilege of guiding our journey uh, for the next 35 minutes or so. And I just want to say what a privilege it is to be here with you. I was in Southern California with my family last week, had a great time with them, got to visit my brother's church, really enjoyed that. But I I tell you, there's, there's something about being back with my church community, with the people who I love, who I'm sharing life with. It just, it makes me so happy to be here with you guys today. So welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you're brand new with us, I just want to give you a few things to help you on this journey. When we came in, we all got one of these programs, and inside of it, there are two tools that will help you to engage with us and engage with what God wants to do in your life today. The first is this card that says start here. And so we ask everybody, just go ahead and pull this out and take 10 seconds to put your name on it. And if you're new, put your email address on it, because this is a, a way to help us connect, connect with you and to help you connect with us connect with the things we're doing in the city, and ultimately, when the time comes that you're ready to connect with God. Our, our prayer is to be the church that helps you connect with God. And so if you fill this out, when that time comes, we can, we can guide you and partner with you on that journey. So go ahead and fill that out. You don't even have to do anything with it yet. So if you're new and you're just kind of checking it out, don't worry. If I've gained your trust over the next half hour and you want to do something with this later, you can, but you might as well have it filled out so you're ready just in case you want to use it a little bit later. So get that out. Then there's some teaching notes that will guide you. It's got the Bible verses that we're looking at today, some fill in the blanks. You're definitely going to want to use this today because there are some things specifically that I'm going to ask you to do this week as relates to this piece of paper. So go ahead and grab that and fill it out. Even if you're not normally a note taker, I'm telling you, this will benefit you this week. So go ahead and get that filled out. Well, it's a new year. It's 2015. I don't know where the time goes. I don't know as how the years pass by. I was in Southern California, like I said, spending time with my family, and I was sleeping on an air mattress for the last seven nights. And it used to be that back in my 20s, sleeping on an air mattress for seven to ten nights was no problem. But I, I woke up like four days into it, and my chest hurt really, really bad over here. So then I started sleeping on this side, and then I woke up two days later, and my knee hurt really bad. And I was telling one of my friends on the worship team that, and he said, that's like the best day I've had in 20 years, because he's, he's sneaking up on 50. But the time is just flying by. It's, it's 2015. Are you kidding me? It's a brand new year with brand new hopes and dreams and possibilities. And one of the things that I love about the new year is that when the new year hits, we start looking forward and thinking forward and dreaming forward. And at the same time, if we're smart, we also look back and we do some reflection on last year and the year before and the year before that. And here's what I know about you, because you and I aren't all that different. There are certain things as we look back that if we had the chance to do them over again, we would have done them differently. There are certain regrets we have as as we look back. It could be financially, it could be relationally, it it could be a a moral decision you made years ago and you just wish, man, if I had it to do over, I'd have done that differently. It could be job, it could be education related, but we all have certain things looking back that we think, I wish I would have done it different. 
I wish I would have done it different. And as we look forward, we think, I don't want to do that again. I want to do something new. I want it to be better. And it doesn't really matter how good last year was. I guarantee every single one of us wants this next year to be better than last year was. And in that vein, I was, I was listening to a sermon online about a year and a half ago because it would be ridiculous of me as your pastor to say to our community, we should gather together to be taught and encouraged and learn. And then for me to think that somehow I'm above being taught and encouraged and above learning. And so every week I listen to two or three different pastors online and I, I allow them to teach me and I learn from them and I grow. And like a year and a half ago, I heard a, a sermon series that asked one question. And that one question, the pastor said, could could change the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years of my life. and could make this year the best year I've ever had. And the question was so profound in my life, and it impacted me so much that I took that entire series, and I just, I pulled it up, and I wanted to share it with you. Because every once in a while, I hear one of these series from these other pastors around the country, and I think, man, our community has, has to hear it. And so I did. I pulled this series out called Ask It, and it's about one question. And we're going to spend six weeks— looking at one question from various angles. And this is pretty much, we'll say this, it's, it's the one question that answers almost every single question you've ever asked. Because I believe, I believe that God wants this year to be a great year for you. I believe God wants this year to be a year with less regret and less pain and less hurt and more fulfillment and more joy and more passion and more purpose than ever before. And the question comes from a guy named Paul. He wrote it in a a book of the Bible called the book of Ephesians. And if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to church, and if you're a little bit skeptical about the church, you're going to like this guy, Paul. Because this guy, Paul, he started out hating the church, disliking Christians, not trusting them as far as he could throw them. And in fact, he did try to throw them a couple different times. And his job, his job, get this, his job was to go around to churches— to pull out Christians and church leaders, to throw them in prison, and to have them murdered. That's Paul. So if you're here today and you're thinking, I I don't know if I can trust this guy on stage. I don't know if I really like the church. Listen, you're in good company because this guy, Paul, who wrote, by the way, the majority of the New Testament of the Bible, he started out the same way you are, skeptical, asking questions, not really liking the church, not really liking Christians. And then he encountered God. And I'm praying that you're going to encounter God today, and it changed everything in his life. And Paul wrote this letter called Ephesians to uh, a community of churches around the ancient city of Ephesus. That's why it's called the book of Ephesians. And here's the, the main point of this whole book. He says, listen, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. And God gave his life to draw you to himself so you could be called a child of God. And then Paul goes on to say in this book of Ephesians some real practical stuff. He says, in light of the fact that God loves you, has a plan for your life, and that he gave his life so that you could have a relationship with him, in light of that, here's some real practical ways for you to live your life. But there was one problem. See, the stuff he was telling these people in Ephesus was a hard sell because Ephesus was a major city in the ancient world, and, and it was really hard to live the way that God wanted you to live in this city. The city had a temple, and part of the way that you worshiped in this temple was to go and have sex with prostitutes. And Paul said, that's not really God's plan for your life. And whether you're a church person or not, you probably know that's not really God's plan for your life. 
there was thievery happening. People were crooked all over the place. And so, so he was telling these people, this is how you should live. And yet the, the flow of the place where they lived was literally going in the opposite direction. And it was hard for the people to do what they believed God wanted them to do in this city. And so Paul does something in chapter 5 of Ephesians. He zooms way out. He says, okay, I've been too practical so far. I'm going to zoom way out. And I'm just going to say one thing. I'm going to give you one baby step. I'm going to give you one question. And if you can just answer this one question and run this, this one question through every area of your life, it will help you see what I'm talking about. So here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, and it's going to give us our one question for this series. He says in Ephesians 5.15, be very careful then how you live. And that word live, literally, it's the word walk. Uh, be careful how you walk. It's a moving term. It's like if you were to get into a car or your 16-year-old kid gets into a car, you would say to them, don't just put your head down and start driving like the little old lady from Pasadena. You need to look up, look around, keep your head on a swivel as you drive. Or if you're walking down the street, don't just cover your face and walk to the edge. You don't want to do that because you'll walk off. He says, instead, instead, yeah, that was a little closer than I thought it was going to be. Instead, instead, he says, Look around. Look around. Be careful how you, how you live. Look around as you're walking through life. He says, be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. And he equates being unwise to being careless, and he equates being wise to being careful. He says, don't be careless in how you live. Careless says, I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want, and I don't care about the consequences. That's careless living, he says. Careful says, I'm going to look down the road and see what the, the consequences of my actions are going to be. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days that you live in are evil, are evil. That word days literally means, it means time. He says, make the most of your time. Because we have one life, one life, and we get one shot at it. Make the most of it. Because the days, he says, are, are evil. And I, I know what some of us are thinking today. We're thinking, well, evil? That's a little harsh. Okay, that's, that's why I don't come to church, because they say the days are evil and the people are evil and everything's bad. And I'll say this. For the sake of our discussion today, you can define evil however you want to. Most of us define evil this way. We look at our lives and we think, what's just outside of the realm of possibility for me? That's evil. So if that's how you want to define evil, that's fine. Whatever, whatever's just outside of what you would do is evil, that's okay. But Paul says this. He says, whether you think the days are evil or not, we would all agree, we would all agree that, that there are certain things in life that are normal that we just don't want for ourselves. He would say it's because they're evil. You can say because I just don't want that. For example, debt. Debt is normal. It's normal. The majority of our country lives in debt. But you don't want that for yourself. Paul says because, because it's, it's evil and it enslaves you. Divorce. Divorce is normal. But none of us gets married thinking, I hope I get divorced once or twice or three times in my life. Because just because it's normal doesn't mean it's, it's right. Paul would say it, it's actually it's evil because it's hurting you. It's hurting other people. He says the days that we live in are evil. So if you just get into the flow of the days we're living in and the times we're living in, guess what? He says you're going to end up somewhere that you do not want to be. 
So don't be careless. Look around. Watch the path that you're going down. And if you see that in five years or 10 years, that path is going to lead you somewhere you don't want to be, get off the train and get onto a different train track. And then Paul says something to Christians. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not a Jesus follower, you can take this or you can leave it. But for those of us who are Christians, we we can't just ignore what he says next. He's talking specifically to us. In verse 17, he says, Therefore, therefore, do not be foolish, but, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish. He says, "Don't, don't fool yourselves, but understand what the Lord's will is. And here's what he's saying to us Christians. And, and, and listen, if you're a Jesus follower, just, just listen to me for a second. And if you're not, you can just kind of be on the outside for a second and listen in to the kind of conversations that we like to have around here. He says, Christians, he says, you're just like everybody else. So don't imagine that you're not. See, everybody else looks for loopholes in life and tries to take shortcuts. And he says, Christians, you look for loopholes too. You just do it in your relationship with God. And he says, Jesus followers, here's what your, here's what your loopholes look like. Here's how you fool yourselves. He says, you know what you ought to do, but you don't do it. That's foolish, he says. You know what mama always told you to do, but you don't do it. He says, that's, that's foolish. You know what you should do, but you don't do it. And Paul says, listen, Christians, you're intelligent people. You know what you ought to do, so don't fool yourselves. You know the difference between right and wrong? You know the difference between good and evil? Because the problem is that as smart as you are, and and listen, church, I believe you're some of the smartest people in Petaluma. I really do. That's why you come here, because we're a smart group of people, and you like to be around other smart people with a smart pastor. I believe you're also very attractive. Just, all right, just making sure we're all together. Yes, thank you. He says, you're smart people, but did you know this? As smart as you are, you are also the easiest person for you to deceive. Let me say that again. As smart as you are, you're also the easiest person for you to deceive. Here's what I mean. When you and I look back on some of our worst decisions in life, whether it was 2014 or years past, we can look back on some of our worst decisions, and we know exactly how we got there looking back. The problem is we deceived ourselves. Just for a moment, just for a moment, we fooled ourselves into thinking or believing something that wasn't true. And it led us down a path that led to some of our worst regret in life. Not because, not because we were fooled, but because we fooled ourselves, he says. A couple weeks ago, how many of you, by the way, I don't want to spoil it, how many of you have seen the most recent Hobbit movie, The Battle of the Five Armies? Anybody? Like two? Wow, that is so sad. You are missing out. You are missing out. I thought we had a lot more nerds like me here. That's okay. So a few weeks ago, the two days before the Hobbit movie was going to come out, online, three friends and myself, four of us, found that there was going to be a special screening here in Petaluma. 14 seats in the whole theater was all they were going to sell. And it was the special D-box seats, which are seats that shake you. Basically, it's like being car sick while watching a show in 3D. That's what happens. So you paid $20, and you got to be in one of these 14 special seats. And, and I looked at this, and it was two days before the movie came out, just 14 of us. I looked at this, and I thought, why on earth would they, would they do a, a special screening for 14 nobodies in Petaluma? That makes no sense to me. And yet I thought, well, 
I'm going to do it, right? If it's there, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. It must, it must be that they just really like Petaluma in Hollywood, and they want to do something special for 14 of us in Petaluma. And so I did. I bought my ticket, $20 for the special screening, and I ordered it online, and I got in the car, and I, I drove down, and I felt pretty awesome because I got to see the movie two days early. I was even bragging to my dad in Southern California about how Petaluma's all that because we get to show screens two days early. And I got to the theater, so excited. I walked up and I handed the, the kid my ticket. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm here for the pre-screening of The Hobbit. He said, oh, let me get my manager, which is never a good sign. And his manager came out. Guy was probably like 19, had barely starting to grow a goatee. It was very cool. Uh, and he says, I'm sorry, sir. Like, when did, I, when did I become one of those? All right, well, I'm sorry, sir. There was a glitch in our computer system. There isn't actually a movie today. It gets worse. It gets worse. Not only did I not get to watch the apex of theater, The Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies, I had to go home and watch a Hallmark Christmas movie with my wife. <laughs> I went from the best to the worst. I know. Why? <laughs> Some of you are mad at me. Why? 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 Because I deceived myself. I looked at something that was absolutely too good to be true, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe. And I deceived myself, and I walked down a path that just led to heartache and pain. And we deceive ourselves all the time, don't we? I mean, think about your own life. Your marriage. Your marriage is good. Your marriage is good. It's good. Maybe it's predictable. Maybe you've been in it for a while, but it's, it's pretty good. But you look over there and you think, well, maybe, maybe that could be great. And you deceive yourself when you think that that won't ruin everything you have here to be looking over there. We deceive ourselves. No one deceived us. We deceive, he says, you deceived yourselves. Or how about this? Cheating, cheating, cheating on taxes, cheating on a test, cheating on an assignment. Yeah, we could work hard and get a B, or we could cheat and get an A. We could, we could work hard and pay our taxes, but we could also cheat and keep some for ourselves. And we deceive ourselves into thinking certain things are okay. And then we walk down a path, and we look when the IRS knocks on our door, and we say, how did I get here? Well, I know exactly how I got here. I deceived myself into believing something that wasn't true. So, so he says, don't deceive yourselves, because every time you do, it's going to lead you down a path you don't want to go down. But, he says, but, but, understand what God's will is. And in the New Testament, there are three or four words that are translated as the word but. And this one is the most forceful but. We could say this is the biggest but in the Bible. He says, don't deceive yourselves and go down that path because that path will lead to pain and hurt and destruction every time. But know what God's will is because when you know what God's will is, it will lead you to joy and peace and kindness and fulfillment. He says, don't go to destruction, but, 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 but. I like big buts in the Bible. And I cannot lie. Just want to make sure you're still awake. Don't go down that path, but, he says, Christians, but know what God's will is. Because that path will lead you to fulfillment and joy. Don't deceive yourselves. Know what God's will is for your life. So here's the question. Here's the question. Paul zooms way out and says, I want you to just to ask this one question and layer it over every single decision that you make. And don't put the question up on the screen, Jed. I'm going to ask the question, and then, then I'm going to have some fun. 
Then I'm going to layer that question over three areas of our lives, and then I'm going to make it personal because I want to move it from out there to in here, and I'm going to make us squirm a little bit because I, I love you, and I want good things for your life. And then for the next five weeks, we're going to tease out this question. And here's what the question is that we're going to look at for the, next, for the next five weeks. It's the big question for this whole series. What is the wise? What is the wise thing for me to do? Not what's the right thing. It's better than that. Not what's the legal thing. Because just because something's legal doesn't mean that it's a good choice. It's better than legal. What's the, what's the wise thing for me to do? Because if we, if we ask that question in every area of our lives, I guarantee it would, it would save you from 90% of your regret and your hurt and your pain in life. Because here's the thing, none of us ever goes from zero to 60 into our worst decisions in our life. None of us does. They always start out with a series of unwise choices. They weren't wrong choices. They weren't against the law choices. If someone caught you making that choice, you could most likely talk your way out of that choice. You can most likely convince everybody around you that it's no big deal, the choice you're making. They aren't wrong. They're just unwise. But enough unwise choices in a row always culminate in a wrong choice, a family-ending choice, a life-altering choice, a financially destructive choice. So he says, don't worry about what's right and wrong. That's way down there. If you start asking this question over here, what's wise? It'll keep you away from what's wrong. You'll have the life that you were created to live. Our worst choices never start out as wrong choices. They always start out as unwise choices. So the question we're going to ask is, what's the wise thing for me to do? Because Paul says, look around and be wise. And we're going to ask it in three different dimensions. The first one is this. In light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing for me to do? Your past is just that. It's your past. It's your past. It's your past. It's not my past. Therefore, there are certain things that I can do that would not be wise for you to do, and certain things you could do that, that wouldn't be wise for me to do. For example, when I was, was, I was in my late teens, I've told you this before, when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I, I had a, a pretty serious pornography addiction. We're talking hours a day, every day, in front of a computer, looking at pornography. It was a serious thing that cost me friendships and relationships and left me feeling alone and vulnerable and shameful every day. And when God finally broke through to me and said, you know what? Enough is enough. Enough is enough. You need to kick this addiction. Here's what I did. I took the internet out of my dorm room because I was a college student, and I didn't have the internet in my house for five years. And for those of you who are students right now, I can, I, I can just attest you can actually make it through college without having the internet in your dorm room. I know it's crazy. Listen, it'll save time because you'll be on Facebook a whole lot less without the internet in your dorm room. Now, is there anything wrong with the internet? No. The internet's a perfectly fine thing. But in light of my past experiences, it was unwise for me to have it in my room for the next five years as I allowed God to break me free from that addiction. Now, I want to ask you, in light of your past experiences— What's the wise thing for you to do? Do you have a problem with 
retail therapy? Do you have a history of overspending your budget and buying stuff you don't need and then regretting it later and having that, that feeling like, oh, why did I do that again? You feel better in the moment and then you crash. Do you have a, a problem with retail therapy? If you do, it might not be wise to cruise the outlet malls on your way home from church just to see what's going on over there. Nothing wrong with the outlet malls, just not, just not wise. Do you, do you have a history of jumping from one bad relationship into another, into another, into another? Is that your past experience? If it is, then it might not be wise to go on a first date with the guy that looks a lot like the last guy who looks a lot like the last guy who looks a lot like the last guy. It's not wrong to go on a first date. Nothing wrong with a first date. But is it wise for you, based on your past experience, to go on that date with that guy? I told you, I'm going to start to push a little bit. How about this? Whenever you get with that group of people, you always make that same mistake. They're not bad people. I might be able to go hang out with them and have a perfectly lovely time. But every time you go with them, you come home and your wife says to you, I don't like the way you are when you're with them. What's the wise thing? Again, we're not talking right or wrong. We're talking wise. What's the wise thing to do? In light of your past experiences, what's the wise thing for you to do? The second lens is this. In light of my present circumstances, what's the wise thing for me to do? You just got married. Things are new now. In light of the fact that you just got married, what's the wise thing to do? I remember talking to a couple of newlyweds a few years ago, and, and one of them said to me, my spouse is still, is still doing things that they did when they were single. And they're not bad things, and they're not, they're not illegal things, and they're not even sinful things. They're just, they're just things that they did when they were single, and now they're not single anymore. And it's, it's hurting us because they're living like they're single even though we're married. If you're a newlywed or you're, you're in a serious relationship, in light of your current reality, what's the wise thing for you to do? Maybe it's not so wise for you to go out to the club with all your friends on Friday night like you used to when you were single because now you're married. What's the wise thing for you to do? Maybe, maybe you just went through a, a divorce in 2014. And now you're single and ready to mingle. Maybe you're ready to go look for that special one. Maybe you think you already found someone. Maybe you found them before you got divorced, and that's why you got divorced. But in light of your current circumstances, in light of the pain that you're feeling right now at the loss of a relationship, in light of your current vulnerability, in light of the way that your kids are responding to your divorce, What's the wise thing to do? Again, we're not talking about right or wrong. This is way better than right or wrong. We're not talking about legal or illegal. This is way better than, than legal or illegal. This is, this is freeing. This is wisdom. How about this for those of you who are students? It's, it's a brand new semester coming up, and last semester wasn't your best, and you need this semester to be better. And all your friends are going out to do something on a Friday night, Saturday night, and you really want to go with them, but you know you need to study because you're going to have tests coming up in the next few weeks. In light of your current circumstances that you need to nail this class, what's the wise thing for you to do? And the last one is this. In light of your future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for you to do? In light of your past experiences, present circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for you to do? 
because we've all had a life, enough life experience to know what it feels like when we trade what we know we want in the future for something we think we want today. Here's what I know about you. You want to be financially viable when you hit retirement age. You don't want the money to run out before your life runs out. None of us does. None of us does. We all want to be financially viable. But you want the new car today. Your hopes and dreams are to be financially viable then, but you want to take a big vacation every year today. And I want to say there's nothing wrong with a new car and there's nothing wrong with a big vacation, but in light of your future hopes and dreams to have money when you retire, to be able to retire someday, what's the, what's the wise thing to do? I got to spend the last week with my mom and dad, and, and here's what I will say about my dad. My dad is one of the greatest men that I know. And I hope that when my six-year-old and my three-year-old grow up and they're 33, I hope they can say of me what I can say of my dad, that their dad is one of the greatest men that they know. That's what I want. That's my, that's my future hopes and dreams, that my kids would look at me and say he was there for me. Not that he made the most money, not that, that he worked really hard, but that he was there. And we all know it, it doesn't have anything to do with how much money you bring home. Greatness has to do with being present with your kids in the formative years. So I want to ask you in light of your future hope and dreams, because I know there's not one dad in here who doesn't want their kids to say about them that he's one of the greatest men that I know. In light of your future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do when your boss says, I'm going to give you a promotion, but it's going to mean traveling three days a week, or I'm going to give you a promotion, but it's going to mean overtime every single day, or you can grow your business, but it's going to mean making some unethical choices. In light of your future hopes and dreams, what do you want your kids to say about you in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years? What's the What's the wise thing to do today? For those of us who are, who are married right now, I know you want to end up with him in 20 years. I know you want to end up with her in 20 years. You want to have the kind of marriage that you see on those romantic movies where they live happily ever after. I know that about you. So in light of your future hopes and dreams, what's the wise choice to make in your marriage today? Christian or not, I believe that we would all say that if we asked this question over every area of our lives, it would save us from emotional pain and relational pain and, and vocational pain, financial pain. It would save us because if we can just pause and ask this question, what's the wise thing for me to do? Man, it brings crystal clarity. So here's what I want you to do this week. I'm not going to ask you to, to actually do anything, but simply to ask this question, what's the wise thing to do? And you can pick just one area of your life. What's the wise thing for me to do with my family? In light of my past experience, my present circumstance, my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do with my family? What's the wise thing to do in my marriage? What's the wise thing to do financially in 2015? What's the wise thing to do with my friendships? And if you're really ambitious, I would encourage you to ask that question over every area of your life. And here's what's going to happen if you ask that question. It's going to give you clarity into a few things. One, you're going to realize that you know a lot more than you think you know. And it always feels good. Everybody likes to feel smart. You know the right thing to do if you just pause to ask that question. And two, if you pause and ask that question, what's the wise thing to do? And then you choose not to do it anyway, you've also learned something about yourself. Here's what you've learned about yourself. You don't have your own best interest in mind. 
if you know the wise thing to do, the thing that will bring you joy and life and peace, and you choose not to do it anyway, you learn something about yourself. You learn you don't have your own best interest in mind. You learn that you're actually sabotaging yourself. And isn't it at least worth knowing that before you, you do it? I'm telling you, this question changed my life. This question changed my priorities. It's shaping the way that I view every single day. And if, you, if you're brave enough to ask it, this question could shape your life as well. So this week, would you just commit to asking that question? Don't even have to do anything with it yet. Just ask that question in light of my, my past experiences, my present circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams. What, what's the wise thing for me to do? And then next week, we'll continue to dive in, and we're going to get narrower and narrower and more specific as we go. And I believe this question could set 2015 up to be your best year ever as you partner with God. And I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this, and I'll leave you with this today. In light of your past experiences, your present circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams, I can tell you with exact certainty that there is one wise choice for you to make today if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus. And that choice is simply this, to accept the great gift of God's forgiveness and to be welcomed into his family. Because in light of your past experiences, we've all done things and said things and thought things we know we shouldn't have done that have hurt us and hurt other people. In light of your present circumstances, where you are right now, in light of your future hopes and dreams, because I know that someday you believe there is an eternity and you don't want to go somewhere that you don't want to go. You want to go somewhere where you can be with God. In light of your future hopes and dreams about your faith and about eternity, there's only one wise choice to make, and that is to enter into a relationship with God. And there's only one way to do it. It's through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. He opened the door for you to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And if you've never made that decision, I'm going to give you a chance to do it right now. Not only is it the best choice you'll ever make, but it is the wisest decision you could make because God is real and he's inviting you to himself. So I'm going to pray right now for all of us and then partway through that prayer, I'm going to pray for you specifically if you're ready to start a relationship with God. And if you're ready to do that, I'll just invite you to whisper that prayer with me, to say yes to him, to stop living on your own and start living in partnership with a heavenly father who loves you beyond belief. And if you're ready to do that, you can pray that prayer with me. So let's, let's close our eyes and let's, let's close our time together in prayer. Holy Spirit, I, I would ask right now on behalf of my friends in this room that you would give us clarity this week as we ask the big question. In light of our past, in light of our present, and in light of our future, what is the wise thing for us to do? And as you give us clarity about the wise thing to do, would you give us courage to act on it, Lord, so that we could experience the life that you created us to live, a life that's not full of regret and pain and hurt, but a life that's full of purpose and hope and peace and joy. God, would you guide our journey together this week? And would you guide us as we continue on in this Ask It series over the next number of weeks? Would this be changing and transforming? And would you set us up, Lord, to have a wonderful year in partnership with you? And as we continue to pray, if you're here this morning and you've never started a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I want to tell you God couldn't love you more than he does right now. And he's simply inviting you to, to come back to him to walk in partnership with him, to have a relationship with him because he loves you and he has a plan for you and his plan starts as you enter into a relationship with him and it will change your world here and it will change your eternity forever. If you're ready to make that decision, you can repeat these words after me. Just, just whisper these where you're sitting. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me 
And I believe that you gave your life on a cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And today, I say yes. Yes, I want this life that you're offering. And yes, I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? God, would you forgive me of my sin? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.